Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello and welcome to the Haunted Estate. Hello, my little spooks, and welcome back to the Haunted Estate Podcast. I have a bit of a treat for you today. Guess what? Remember those little paragraphs I was reading to you from my upcoming book? I decided I would uh, let you guys hear a whole chapter, simply because I had put it out to my Facebook friends and family, asked if anybody wanted to read it, and it was pretty well received. So, I thought, why not share it with the people that I love most, the people who come back and listen to my voice every other day. So yes, this chapter is called The Huntsville Estate. It is about an experience that I had in Huntsville, Ontario, Canada, which is quite north from where I live. Um, My book is going to be separated into different experiences that I've been through, um, kind of my beliefs and what comes next and how I came about what I do, how I notice what I do, and where it all began. So I'm hoping that when that comes out within the next, you know, month, two months, hopefully this little teaser will have you wanting to buy it, because what's a book if nobody buys it, right? (laughs) Let's move on. Call and tell us your story, toll free, by calling 1-877-260-3428 and visit us at thehauntedestate.com. Make sure to like and share the podcast with all your friends. That's definitely how we get out there the most. And I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on, found us on, anything like that. I'm curious, what do you listen to me on? You can feel free to email me at selena at thehauntedestate.com. You can also use that email to email me anything. How's your day? Any weird, anything weird happen? You know I want to hear about it. You definitely know I want to hear about it. I swear my entire goal in life is going to be to not screw this up while I'm reading because I'm not the best at that. (laughs) And I'm hoping because I've had to reread through it so many times that I'm not going to screw up. But anyways, here we go. The Huntsville Estate. Huntsville is a stunning town nestled in northern Ontario. It was a hot day in July 2013 that I made my way to this quaint place. One week previous, I was woken at 5 a.m. to a phone call. The number wasn't one I recognized, but decided to give the solicitor a chance. A desperate man's voice broke the silence. I had barely gotten out my hello when he started speaking quickly, in a very anxious tone. He said his name was Frank, that he was desperate and needed help. 
Frank had spent the entire night researching for anyone who might be able to help him. He had found a video on YouTube where my name was mentioned and the fact that I was in Ontario, Canada. He then used his sleuthing skills to find me on Facebook, and from there, he was able to track down my cell phone number. Over the years, I had gotten a few calls like this, but the, van but the panic in his voice was something I could not ignore. He started to apologize, that he didn't realize the time. I told him not to worry, to explain to me what was wrong. He, what he said next was what caught me. He explained that he and his wife had inherited a home that sent empty in the back country of northern Ontario. His mother, who had been estranged from her parents, had owned it. I had stopped him here, as I explained to him quickly that I couldn't know what had happened because it could temper with my subconscious when I entered the home. The following is what I learned the evening I performed my reading. In 1934, the family had boarded the windows, took only what they could carry, and moved to southern Ontario. I guess the plan had been to use a large eight-bedroom house as a summer home after they left, due to circumstances that never came to be. The home was never visited by the family who had lovingly built it ever again. Luckily, the family had some wealth and was able to pay a local man to maintain the property, keep up with the home so it never fell into disrepair. When the man's mother had inherited the house in 1967, she never told a soul. There was a trust left by her father to be used only for the home's maintenance. Frank, the man on the phone, had only found out about the house and the information weeks after his mother had passed, when the lawyer had called. In March 2013 was the first time Frank and Susan loaded the minivan, and then set out on the two-hour adventure to find the secret house. They were overwhelmed with the excitement that such a curiosity could bring. He had been given a phone number by the lawyer of the man who was currently taking care of the grounds. The man was friendly, but Frank sensed a strange tone in the man's voice. He had chalked it up to the fact that he had not been paid for the month since his mother had passed. Frank promised the man an extra hundred dollars and requested that he remove the boards from the window. The lawyer said that they were there to discourage trespassers, although being so deep in the country, no one had ever caused any damage. It took them an extra twenty minutes to find the driveway. The laneway was more suited for an ATV than a minivan. But they made it up the drive nonetheless. Frank still recalls the moment he saw his wife's eyes graze over the entirety of the monstrosity. For some reason, they had expected it to be more run down, dilapidated, or at least missing bricks. But no, everything down to the front porch was pristine. It was as if the porch's paint had been redone every year. Susan and Frank got out quickly. The amount of excitement that they were holding in was unbearable. Taped to the front door, in an envelope, was the following letter. Frank and Susan, I hope you enjoy your new home. I have included a set of keys in the mailbox. All that was ever done to the inside was repair work. Your usual dusting, cleaning, all the linen stripped from the beds in rooms two, four, and six. Last year were burned due to mold. Luckily, there's no mold anywhere else in the house. Your mother had the electrical redone in 2009, and a new furnace and AC installed in 2010. This house really is a treasure, and a real time capsule. It's always weighed heavily on my family that such a beautiful place was not lived in. I hope you can bring life back into it. We think that would make those spirits less restless. P.S. Please leave a letter in the front mailbox on what you would like done and your future plans for the home. We will be back Wednesday. 
At the time when Frank had read about the spirits being restless, he took this more as a metaphor than anything else. It was quickly forgotten as they stepped into the foyer. Harold was right. The house was a time capsule. The outside looked like your basic red brick farmhouse, but the inside was stunning. The walls were lined with dark cherry wood. The ceilings all had crown moldings and plaster art. The amount of time putting together a home this stunning would have taken forever, and a lot of money back in the day it was built. On from the foyer was a staircase that wrapped around the 25-foot-wide hallway. On the left and the right of the hall were oversized openings that entered into two large great rooms. One had lush Victorian carpeting, a stunning master piano, and oversized settees. Old art and mirrors covered most of the walls. The room to the right held in the back a 15-foot dining table with all matching captain chairs. In the front great room was a large desk and an angry-looking taxidermy bear. Then, beyond that, was another area that featured more of the oversized, plush Victorian armchairs. Frank and Susan didn't say a word as they made their way through the spectacular home. They walked quietly as if they were afraid to disturb the family that had been gone for nearly 100 years. In the back of the house, they found a library lined with old, musty books and five children's desks. Beyond that, a completely white kitchen with glass-paned cupboards, and off the kitchen was a tall atrium the glass green from years of sun. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Since the house was so large, it felt like they took them ten minutes to climb the stairs. They were made of the same dark wood as the foyer. Mirrors of all different sizes and shapes lined the walls on the side of the staircase. Every step that you took brought you into a new mirror. Your face was either warped from the years of heat and moisture or speckled by aging that lined the reflective surface. Once they reached the landing, they separated to explore the rooms. They found eight bedrooms of varying sizes, some set up with a crib, a child's bed, or filled with furniture draped with white sheets. Then a separate hall was four identical three-piece bathrooms, tiled from floor to ceiling. They spent two hours in the walls of the home that they now owned, exploring each cranny, each drawer in every corner. Frank and Susan didn't say a word to each other until they were both on the front porch. Susan had tears in her eyes. She expressed to him that she'd never seen something so beautiful, that they had to do something with the place, not sell it like they'd first discussed. The commute was too far from their jobs, and it would be too hard to maintain it just as a vacation house. So, after dinner, they discussed 
and decided to make a life change, to open bed and breakfast. The inheritance that he got from his mother was not a lot, but it was enough to live off of while they got the house ready and transitioned to backcountry living. Over the next few months, they worked closely with Harold on getting the home into shape so they could take guests. It wasn't until they started modifying bedrooms, replacing beds and curtains, that strange things began to happen. Rooms 2, 4, and 7 had all the existing furniture pulled into the middle of the room, so the walls were easy to access for a fresh coat of paint. Susan had just finished her last room when she popped down the hall to use the restroom. She was gone maybe three minutes. The doors were all left open so they could have good airflow for the drying paint. After she finished, Susan was walking down the hall when she noticed that all the doors that she had propped open were closed. She called out to Frank, thinking maybe he was up to something, but didn't hear a reply. So she opened the door to the room she most recently had painted. All the air was immediately sucked out of her chest. The furniture that had been in the mass in the middle of the room was all back in its original spots against the freshly painted wet walls. She ran out and threw open the doors to the other two rooms. Just like the first, all the furniture that had been in the middle of the room was now back in its original places. Frank wasn't even on the property. She remembered that he had gone into town an hour ago for supplies. It was only her in the large, desolate house. All Susan knew is that whatever had moved that much furniture in total silence in a matter of minutes had more power than she could force herself to imagine. When she showed Frank what happened, he tried but failed at coming up with an explainable reason. After a long day of silence, he came to Susan and promised if something else big happened, they would contact someone who could explain. That night, Frank had done some web research and found that when you invade a place that's been so desolate for so long, it can cause some weird disturbances. But in most cases, it wasn't something to be too worried about. In his head, he was going to do whatever it took to make this venture work. He had left his job, his friends, and his life to make this dream come true. There was no way that some little ghost activity from God knows what was going to ruin this for his family. That night, Frank was woken by his wife at 2.22 a.m. He was covered in a cold sweat. And his wife was standing appalled with her hands and tight fists against her chest. Her face was white and tears streamed from her eyes. Frank flew from bed, but his wife cowered, falling to the floor and screaming. He sat. It took her a moment to realize that he was now awake that the man who was just screaming in a thick accent was gone. Susan had her body pressed as tightly as she could fit into the corner of the west wall. She was stuttering, trying to explain to Frank that he was beating his hands as hard as he could against the bed and screaming louder than she thought any man could in a thick, drunken accent. Frank sat back, trying to remember what he had been dreaming about. His dreams were not anything like she had explained. In his sleep, he was imagining himself with his old dog playing in the yard of a friend's house. He sat back, also white and stunned, wondering if maybe this was her nightmare alone. It took an hour for Susan's blood pressure to regulate. For the fear that such an event might happen again, Frank slept in the last bedroom down the hall. 
Things had stayed quiet for the remainder of the two months that they had set aside to finish the renovations. On June 21st, Susan had used her computer skills to set up an online contest. If you came to the Bed and Breakfast Facebook page, liked and shared it, you could be entered into a draw for a free night stay, free night stay at the inn before they opened. The couple was blown away by the response, and at the end of the week, they had chosen five winners, two young 20-somethings, a single senior man, and an adult mother-daughter duo. Everyone had arrived around 5 p.m. They set up in their respected rooms, then all enjoyed a catered celebration dinner, after which each guest toured the grounds in the house. The guests were all so captivated and taken back by the beauty and detail that Frank and Susan had also fallen for. The mother and daughter duo had stayed the evening downstairs with Frank and Susan, opted for a nightcap, and spent the rest of the hours talking about the town and the history of the home. The young 20-somethings had taken over one of the upstairs bathrooms to do what young 20-somethings do. The older gentleman had kept quiet at dinner and was now wandering through the grounds taking pictures. Around 10 p.m., the older man made his entrance into the living room that housed Frank, his wife, and the mother-daughter duo. He looked at the foursome and asked a strange question. He directed it to Susan, asking if she would mind if he read a story to her son when they put him down to sleep. Susan stood abruptly, explaining to the man that there were no children on the premises. The man put his hand to his mouth. He then said that he was at the end of the hall that held the guest rooms. He came across the last room on the left. Curiosity captured him when he saw the door open and found inside was a young boy playing on the floor. The youngster was laughing and talking out loud. He had looked up to the old man, said his name was Arthur, and that he was six. Frank and Susan sprung for the stairs, pushing quickly past the old man. They knew that the last room on the left was for storage, that all the furniture was scattered and covered with sheets. The door locked. They took the stairs three at a time, racing down the hall. They stopped at the entrance to the hallway. Looking down, they could see it was the only door that was swung open. Frank led the way, Susan five steps behind. She didn't see in the room, but she saw the look on Frank's face. He went as white as a ghost. Susan took the remaining steps to discover that all the furniture was pressed against the walls, the sheets folded on a freshly made bed. A bed made with linens that had been thrown out a month ago. In the middle of the room was a large puddle of muddy water. By this time, the mother-daughter duo and the older gentleman were behind them, only squeaks and gasps coming from their mouths. It was only a few hours earlier they had opened this room using the large key ring and shown them it as an example of what the house was like before they first arrived. Everyone there knew that it was not in this livable state. Frank entered the room, reaching down to touch the water, it was oily and warm. No words were exchanged until the older man spoke up. He said that he had saw things like this. That right now would conclude his trip. He thanked Susan and Frank for their hospitality and was gone within the hour. The mother-daughter duo were more intrigued than anything. Frank and Susan felt hesitant to talk about it. They didn't want to be known as a haunted attraction. And in this moment... They didn't know how to react. They asked the duo to please not tell the young couple. They pointed to their bedroom so they would know where to go if they needed anything. 
said their good nights so they could spend the rest of the evening talking this over, trying to figure out what exactly had happened. Was it a paranormal occurrence? Was somebody messing with them? Had they left the door unlocked? It was 1 a.m. when Frank was ripped from sleep by a loud noise followed by booming sounds against the wall. Susan stayed in bed, too scared when Frank had shot out of the room. Quickly, it became obvious that the sounds were coming from the room that the young 20-somethings were residing in. Frank was pulling on the door, screaming, doing anything he could do to pry it open. It wouldn't budge. He could hear shuffling and furniture sliding. The door was finally burst open. The couple flew out of the room, slamming into the opposite wall with such force that they left holes in the plaster. Breathing heavy, the man was staring back into the room, his eyes dark puddles of fear, his mouth open as if he couldn't get enough air. His girlfriend was already down the hall, holding onto the banister, crying like a scared child. Frank stood in the doorway, shaking. He tried flipping the light switch. Nothing. The couple finally found their voice. The young lady said she was awoken by a pull in the hair. She went to push her boyfriend, thinking it was him, to find that he was facing the opposite way. She reached for the bedside lamp, and it wouldn't turn on. Feeling the first tickle of panic, she shook her boyfriend awake. Once roused, he also found the light on his table didn't work. He sat up and searched the top for his cell phone, but felt nothing. In that moment, he knew that something was really wrong. It wasn't as if the room was just dark. It was beyond dark. The whole room was absent from any light. Along with this blacker-than-black room was a complete absence of sound. The couple started to panic. They were up out of bed and feeling around the room. The pressure of the silence building in their ears, a pressure that was becoming painful. But the furniture was not as it was when the lights were turned out. The panic and anxiety quickened when the couple couldn't find the door. At that moment, the couple claimed they heard a woman's voice in their right ear out of the deafening silence say, You were not invited. Adrenaline took the man as he started ripping furniture from the walls, trying to find a way out. Finally, he was able to pull the heavy egg armoire from the wall, where they had finally heard Frank banging on the other side. It wasn't until Frank and Susan had the couple wrapped in blankets on the front porch with a cup of tea that they took a flashlight into the room. Susan walked carefully to each of the three lamps, trying to turn the little black switches so she could fill the panic-laden room with light. Not only would they not turn on, the light bulbs were gone. Not broken. Gone. The couple refused to even go into the house to collect their belongings. Frank packed for them and apologized. The couple barely mumbled a response. The shock of the situation had stolen all their words. The mother and daughter duo were fast on their tails. The whole night was just too much for them to handle. After being woken by the banging and screams, they claimed to have been followed down the stairs by the reflection of a little girl in the mirrors that framed the wall going down the wood side of the stairway. It was then that Frank spent the rest of the night looking for some kind of help. This was the night that he found me. I've had some pretty strange calls during my short time in this world. Some completely outlandish. This was different. The desperation in this man's voice was palpable. 
His voice had broken completely out of fear more than twice. I assured him that I would get things in order and be on the road within the week. I spent the next few days researching paranormal groups in the area that might be of some assistance. I was lucky to find a team who would meet me at the residence the evening of the day I arrived. When I had finally found the entrance, it was already around 4 p.m. It took me an an, a total of six hours to find my way to the front door. The estate looked like a scene out of a fairy tale. The laneway was twisted and turned for more than a kilometer until it opened onto a beautifully manicured expanse. The middle of the land sat a large brick house. In my mind, I could see it in the past and as it was now. The only difference was the color of the porch, from a dark blue to the cream color that coated the wide wood banisters that stood today. Frank and Susan got up from their porch chairs that they were sitting on as soon as they saw my chair. At first glance, they looked anxious and overtired. The moment I had my gear shift in park, they were opening my car door. Susan took my, my hands as soon as I stepped out. She explained to me that they had spent the last few nights at a hotel. The last night was the first night they had spent back in the house. She claimed they were awoken at 2.14 a.m. to every window in the house open. This could be normal for a house in the backcountry of Canada in July, except for the fact that all the screens have been popped out and laid on the surrounding lawn. After this, they were unable to sleep and spent the rest of the night drinking hot coffee and talking about what the future might hold, if not only things stayed the same, but the possibilities if they got worse. Before we entered the house, I took a few minutes and explained to them what I did, that I saw memories, that me being here might not be able to fix the problem, but that I hoped that what I could see, sense, and smell could help. I also notified them that I set up an investigation for the evening with a local paranormal team. When talking to the team that was going to conduct the investigation, I could tell that they were serious about what they did. I can never stress enough to be very cautious of what I call backyard ghost hunters. Some can cause so much more trouble than what it's worth. I can't start to tell you the amount of cases that I have been to that were worsened after some camera-happy people taunted the unknown. After a long telephone call, I was happy with them as my assisting team for the evening. When I first walked in the house, I was taken aback. It was as if I stepped into the past. It was stunning. Since I was far from home, I didn't have one of my usual friends with me to jot down the things I saw. So I handed my index cards to Susan and asked her to write what I was going to dictate out loud. Then I told her to use different cards for each room. I warned her not to speak to me until I was finished, to just follow me. That I wouldn't be able to see her or hear her until I was finished. We started in the front living room to the left. I took my spot on the closest couch. I focused my eyes on a blank spot on the wall and waited. It started with the whole house getting brighter, lighter. The sounds of loud birds and the smells changed as if there was fresh baking, not the fresh cut lawn that was overpowering the state as I drove up. The furniture looked brighter, plusher. I remember being impressed that barely any of the decor was different just the walls a different color. My attention was brought to a fireplace to the left. There stood a woman with both hands braced against the mantle she stood in front of, her head down as if deep in thought. As I see things, I mention them. I walk to her, stand beside her. 
She's deep in thought with a glaze over her eyes. In front of her on the mantel is dried flowers, tied in a bouquet, a wooden deer and three opaque pink glass roses. Her dress is long, gracing the floor. It was blue and done up to the neck, a dress I would find far too warm for that hot summer day. I next take notice of the windows. They're all open, no screens. The woman looks in my direction. She can't see me, of course. They never can. It's as if I'm their ghost. She takes her hands and presses her hair as if to smooth the sides back into the bright, the tight brown bun. I take notice of the large brown beauty mark and the noticeable scar that runs from the side of her left eye to her jawline. I feel that this is all the information I can pull from this room and move to the kitchen. In the kitchen, I see and sense nothing, but only smell the overwhelming smell of baking. I follow the hallway into the room with the large dining table and the adjoining room that houses more chairs and couches. In front of me is a large desk and another huge bay window. At first, I don't see him as his pallor matches the long, deep table. He is perfectly still, and in the same moment that I notice him, he's gone. I find him standing at the bay window. Making my way to him, I'm careful to say what I see out loud. He seems to be staring at something. All his focus and emotion go into the glance. Squinting, I see there's man about half a kilometer out in the space that today is hidden by brush and trees. The young man that I see is digging. He's too far out to see the reason why, but I can see the dirt pile growing. My concentration breaks, and I see the man moving away from me as if he's gliding. He squats beside a buffet, tucks something underneath the dark wood. He stands and wipes his hands on his brown trousers and heads for the stairs. I follow. The stairs are, littled, are, are littered with children's toys, many homemade, a doll made from a corn cob, blocks willed by hand. As soon as we hit the top of the stairs, he takes the first right into the bedroom. I follow him. He moves the picture above the master bed to reveal a hole. There he takes something out and puts it in his pocket. He walks out of the room. I follow, but he's now gone. In front of me is a hallway. The roof is lined with a gray smoke-like substance. For me, this means a dark energy, like sadness or negativity. At the end of the hall stands a woman from the fireplace, her back to me, looking out the window. Down the hall is seven doors, three on one side, four on the other. The first two rooms were white, with girl toys, but empty. The room on the left didn't have a door. Walls were blue, and in the room was one single bed, on the right wall and a crib on the left. The names Matthew and Arthur came to light. I went straight to the single bed, there was a boy, maybe five, tucked tightly into the sheets. The sheets seemed fresh, pressed, and starch. They were tucked so tightly around the boy, too tightly. I soon noticed that this was not a sleeping child. His lips were shades of blue, the color gone from his face. His eyes open ever so slightly. I was afraid to turn, to look at the crib. I took my time, but it was empty. All the linen stripped from the mattress. I crossed the hall to the pink room with two identical single beds. They were empty except for fresh bundled flowers tied with twine that lay on each made bed. Between the beds was the table with an assortment of medical glass bottles, clothes, and bowls. The only name to come to mind was Lily. I came out of the room, the woman still standing at the window at the end of the hall. 
I made my way to her and looked over her shoulder. She was watching two children play on hay bales. Maybe age four and seven, two teenage-looking boys sat on watching. It was in this moment that I noticed she held something, a bundle that all I could think of were the sheets that she had stripped from the crib in the blue room. The silence was broken. I turned at the sound of an argument and made my way to the voices. I found the woman from the window now in the kitchen with the man. The conversation sounding like it was through cans that you tied together with a string and play telephone. It was a warp sound, more like an echo, or as if it was coming from broken spirit, speakers, but I tried to piece it together. She was pacing, yelling. The man was at the table, trying to tell her they had to leave, that a fresh start is what they needed, that they had to follow the money. She said she couldn't leave, that this was the last place her babies knew. He said that they could rent the house out, that they could come back one day, that they need to go south, that the sickness hadn't reached there. I could see the understanding on her face. She looked at him, said they built this place for their family, that they put everything they had into this house. I got the idea that she only ever wanted family there. At this moment, I felt I understood. I was starting to feel like I was intruding. I knew I had gotten answers, and what I considered one of the clearest experiences I ever had. I crossed the floors to the front living room, back to where I started, sat on that same couch and closed my eyes, and started my process of coming back to my own reality. When I first received that call from Frank, I used my intuition to try to decipher what this could be. A demon, poltergeist, ghost. Going into the house, I knew nothing of the history, nothing of the people who lived there. I only knew what he had told me. After coming back to my reality, I just sat in awe. In my whole life, I had never had such a clear experience. Usually, I would get one thought, maybe a few names or a scene, but this played out like a movie. I felt as if I was haunting them. I looked to Susan, the stack of my index cards looking heavy in her hands. I asked if I had scared them after seeing the shades of white Frank's face had turned. He said no, but it was shocking because he had never seen anything like that before. Susan and I went to the table where she spread out the assortment of cards. I was taken back at the amount of information I was able to collect from the rambling. I didn't expect that, Susan said with her hands covering her mouth, still in some sort of shock-laden trance. I always believed in that stuff, but... I looked at her, also feeling perplexed. You knew the cemetery, you got the names, so many of the names. Frank came back into the room, putting a picture on the table in front of me. There was the lady I saw, with a large mole and the even larger scar, the hair tight in a bun. He said this was a picture he had found under the buffet that I had mentioned. It was his grandmother. She had left the house in 1934. This is when he explained the story of the house, his family. They seemed shocked at the things I saw, that they heard me say. To be honest, I was shocked too. The hole behind the picture in the bedroom over the bed was quite the find for them. It was full of many documents. They had gotten out the family Bible and read to me the names I had mentioned, their deaths and the reason they happened. But it didn't end there. They were able to show me other things I had seen, and we walked out to the hidden cemetery I had seen while in that reality. We talked about everything, and I'd come to a conclusion, that after the family was left sitting after the house was left sitting for so long, it was a big wake-up to whatever energy was still there. 
that his grandmother's want for the family to be the only ones there was so strong that it was affecting them nearly a hundred years later. The paranormal group had come in and brought a medium. She tried to contact with the spirits to help them understand. They conducted a full investigation, came up with a few low-level EVPs and a questionable photo. I had left right after they arrived, as the reading had taken way more out of me than I assumed it would. In the end, the couple had given one more attempt at using the home as a bed and breakfast. Unfortunately, the same kind of events unfolded. I had received a call about two months after my visit. They wanted my opinion on what I personally thought they should do. I'm not an opinionated person. I tend to keep what I think is right to myself. But getting to know these people was such a fantastic and eye-opening experience. I told them that if I thought they used their house just as their own, there would be no issue. That her desperate energy after losing those babies and needing to leave left such an impression on the house. The fact that they were blood would keep things quiet. A month later, I received another call. That night, Frank and Susan had sat at the table, explained to the open air that they were family, that from now on they would be the only ones who would reside at the estate. From that night forward, the house was in perfect peace. There you have it, folks. I definitely tried to dictate that better. Definitely had some screw-ups and stopped a couple seconds to fix things that were in front of me. But anyways, what did you think? Let me know on my Facebook page. You can find that by going to thehauntedstate.com. There's a click-through right there or link me on Facebook. Send me an email. I don't even care anything you want to do. So this is a bit of an extra long episode today. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you the day after tomorrow. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.